I thought we were all one. I, w- I was all one with nature and all of human history was contained in me. Yeah. And I'd go outside and I thought I could hear other people's thoughts and I thought I could feel other people's feelings. Yeah. And it, w- it, was, it was beautiful. It, w- it yeah. became terrifying, but it was very beautiful. Yeah. And I, I played like unselfconsciously. I ran along these rocks that were in this river and weirdly, yeah. tangibly, my balance was better. Yeah. My actual balance was better. Um, but then that eventually reached its peak. And after mania comes the fall. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. comes, you know, you come down off of that high. Yeah. And I was deeply depressed and disturbed and had to go to the hospital. Right. Um, and they had, they had to get me on one-to-one uh, to make sure I didn't harm myself. So all of this kind of got in the way of me thinking I can do this podcast at the library. For the Sarah Lawrence Library, I'm Tim Kale, and this is the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. For today's episode, Library Director Mustafa Zakaria takes over hosting duties and asks me to reflect upon the 2022 fall season of the podcast. Before we go any further, though, I'd like to encourage you to give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are essential in us climbing the podcast ranks and finding our audience. You can connect with us on social media, at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And also remember to visit the library website, where you can check your library account, reserve a study room, or book a consultation with one of our research librarians. This will be the last podcast until the beginning of the spring semester, and I think it's a fitting conclusion. I just want to say thank you to you, the listener, for helping to make this podcast special and pertinent to our Sarah Lawrence College community. We appreciate you sharing your time with us over this semester, and we look forward to doing it again in the spring. But until then, we've got this episode to take care of, so now let's get into it. Hello, everybody. This is Mustafa Sakaria. I'm the library director at Sarah Lawrence College, and I am very, very pleased to take over the podcasting duties uh, for this particular episode. And that's a, for a very specific reason. I actually like to speak with our own podcast producer and impresario, uh, Tim Kale, just to get his reflections and his assessment of how the, the entire podcasting initiative and program in the library has gone uh, over the last semester and actually part of the prior semester as well. And the reason for that is we now have a large chunk of time, really an entire semester now, of podcasts to reflect on. So this is a really good moment to assess and to step back a moment and just to see what were the successes, what were the weaknesses, and where we might want to go in the future with our podcasting initiative, which of course all came uh, from the imagination of Tim Kale. Um, But before we go there, I'd like Tim to just for a moment uh, read some interesting statistics uh, regarding the library podcast series. So Tim, why don't you go ahead? Sure. my uh, these podcast stats are from uh, Spotify, so Spotify did this kind of year end. Here's what ha- what your podcast was like, and here is who's listening to it. A really nice um, compact uh, assessment of the stats here, and then some of these at the end are just the regular stats. 
um, that you get when you click on the episodes. So we had 930 minutes of content this semester, which is greater than 90% of other podcasts in the society and culture category. Uh, Mustafa, your episode had 172% more streams than the average episode. Uh, that Our top country is the United States, but we've been played in Italy, Turkey, Canada, Ukraine, UK, Puerto Rico, and Sweden. Uh, September 4th through the 10th, there was a 176% more listeners compared to the average week. And I looked back at our episodes, and it turns out those were the party and the takeover episodes. The personality type, I don't know how it gets this, but the personality type uh, of our listener is an adventurer. They like to venture into the unknown, searching for fresher podcasts and hidden gems. Uh, I love thinking of our podcast as a hidden gem. Hopefully, uh, the goal is to make it less hidden, but still, yeah. I, I, I like it. Uh, 27 people have us in their top 10. 22 people have us in their top 5. And 12 people have us at number 1. We have 789 overall plays since February 25th, 2022. Apple Podcasts is our number 1 platform. We are 54% female, 41% male, 4% not specified, and 1% non-binary. Our top age range at 38% is 28 to 34. We have seven five-star ratings, one great written review. We would love to get more written reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you have an Apple Podcasts account, go ahead and write a review for us. That would be great. Uh, And then we had a new episode Every week for this semester since August 31st, which I looked back and I believe that's when classes, when, when students arrived on campus, uh, 16 episodes in total for this season, 29 episodes overall. Uh, so those are some of the stats. That's great. Now, those are really wonderful stats. And the reason I wanted you to kind of frame the conversation at the beginning uh, with those numbers is just to counterpoint uh, a thought that I had when we first began the podcast initiative last spring, spring of 2022. And I'll be honest, this is a kind of a confession, but I'm surprised. I didn't think the podcast would be successful that, <laughs> that much. And, and the reason well, thank is, you for letting me do it regardless. Well, because I had my own internal bias, I am personally was not an, a podcast listener I don't think I'd even listen to a single one. Maybe I'd... Actually, that's not true, because um, my cousin actually recorded a podcast with me a couple years earlier, so I was actually in a podcast, but I forgot about that. But to me, podcasting, for me personally, it's almost too passive for my energy level. I'm kind of like a high-energy person, and I'm not the type of person that would listen to, like, say, an audiobook in his car, mm-hmm. or or I, don't, I also don't do an intense amount of internet surfing. And so... It, I, I wasn't sure exactly how this was going to turn out, but I like the idea of marketing uh, the library through the podcast and some of the other rationale that you gave me. Um, but, of course, now my feelings have completely changed. I've, I've seen how successful it is. I saw the commentary that we got. We got a comment from a parent that said they loved listening to the podcast, and they're even more comfortable sending their child to Sarah Lawrence as a result of the information they got through the podcast, which and I shared that with the provost, that was such an incredible and powerful comment. Um, so, you know, I'm just curious. I'm just curious, uh, Tim, 
about podcasting in general. You know, podcasting has become much more popular over the last few years. But just kind of curious about your own thoughts. Why do you think podcasting, and in particular ours, has become so popular and has connected with uh, listeners? One very simple word, intimacy. There is an intimacy that builds over time between listener and podcaster. And that relationship becomes very important. It becomes like, almost like your imaginary friend. You know, you're you're checking in every single week, uh, if the podcast is every week, with someone's voice. And there's something very personal about hearing someone's voice. It kind of, and if you have a way of speaking, you kind of lull someone into like this this state of calm Hmm. and they or you know comedy or whatever the emotion is you can accentuate it there's just something very intimate about that process and the more honest you are as a podcast host the stronger that bond's going to be your listener will keep coming back for that honesty or for that exploration of that topic in that specific way that the, the podcast host does it. Uh, so they come for the subject matter, um, but then they come also for the host's unique spin on that subject matter. So I think it's gotten so successful For the same reason radio was once the preferred medium of entertainment and interaction, there's just always going to be something important about hearing an individual person's voice transmitted over some media, whatever it will be, and the intimate relationship that builds Mm -hmm. between listener and and host. Yeah, that's fantastic. We're going to continue to uh, refer to this concept, why podcasting is popular, and in particular ours. Uh, we'll return to this as we talk, but you mentioned an interesting concept, radio, an interesting format, because I was thinking about this last night. You know, if this were the 1970s, you know, well before the Internet, and you were who you are, and we worked in the library, and uh, you could actually go around with a tape recorder and record people, and you could book an hour in a public access radio station, because just as they have TV access, public cable TV in the back of the 70s, there were radio stations, you know, like way down on the dial, you know, 86.3, whatever. So you could have actually, in a way, have done this in the 1970s through radio. You could have just record people, come in, and then put it onto the, onto the radio, or you invite people to radio. How is this different than that? How is, and why, is, why do you think podcasting is, is, is more successful than it could be, say, in a radio format? I think because the technology, and what I mean by that is... Um, people who are fortunate enough to have a phone, uh, that technology of a phone has become pretty ubiquitous. So that, like a phone is not a phone anymore. A phone is a computer. It's a little computer in your pocket. You can get TV on your phone. You can get uh, podcasts on your phone, books, anything on your phone. So radio, you're relying on the medium of a car, usually, uh, to be playing yeah. the radio in that car, a individual user and their phone. It's just there all the time. Like it's on your person all okay. the time. Right. And I think that's the, what I'm trying to get at is like the technology is with you at all times. So you can, you can listen to a podcast when you're 
writing a paper. You can listen to a podcast when you're doing X, Y, and Z, all this other stuff. Yeah. And it's not yeah. can the environments in which you can listen to it are not contained to say the kitchen radio or the radio in the living room or the radio in your car. It's this phone yeah. that travels with you in your pocket everywhere you go. Does that answer the question? It, it does. I think it really does come down to the technology and the internet and the fact that it's the ease of listening, being able to listen everywhere, this idea of getting the information you want wherever you are, just-in-time information whenever you want. And I think that really is the key difference uh, with radio. Um, but it's interesting, the actual the idea of not seeing the, piece, the person but actually hearing it, that's the same as in radio. And it but it's just the ease of access to that information. I think that's the key difference in, the, in all the different functionality that you get with that. So, so here we are. We have a successful uh, podcast program. You mentioned why you thought it was uh, successful. It's that intimacy. And I, you know, but I'm interested in, in you as a, as a person doing this, Tim, because I remember once uh, you were outside and you had a little tiny tape recorder and you were doing kind of like a walk and talk recording experience and that which I used to want to do that also with a video camera so I'm curious to know what makes the podcast format particularly interesting or meaningful to you Mm. I think it's a medium that is kind of like perfect for me for a lot of like personal reasons like for example I was very shy growing up in school And I didn't really, I had some friends, but I I didn't, I hated school, uh, except for the actual classes. I liked the actual classes. I hated the social element of school. Um, But what I found is that when I would go into my English classes, and the English classes were this great platform to voice your thoughts and feelings about the art that you were just participating in and experiencing. So, you know, we're reading, let's say, uh, Hamlet, you know, or Romeo and Juliet, and we have a conversation about, is Juliet actually, uh, is Romeo actually in love with Juliet? And is she actually in love with him? Or are they these just two idiot teenagers who have no idea what they're doing. And that, that's interesting. Suddenly Shakespeare's interesting to me because it's relatable. And I can talk about that. I can give my opinions on that, my thoughts on that. And I found success with it. My sophomore year English teacher, Diana Gardner, she came up to me one day and she said, would you be interested in taking an AP English class next year? And I said, absolutely I would. So then I took an AP English class where you did more talking about more books, and I found uh, success doing that. So then you go to college, and it's even more of that. It's like even even deeper conversations where you have. I would take my English or philosophy classes, and now we're having conversations about books and about uh, philosophers' ideas and philosophical uh, concepts and morality, and we're having all these conversations. And basically what I'm getting at is I think I honed the craft of discussion, okay. intellectual discussion and argument in all of the classes I had, which it wasn't even something I was doing consciously. It just happened through repetition and because I liked it. So a medium 
where and then I, I also love filmmaking and editing. So filmmaking helps me with podcasting in teaching you the emotional notes and how to accentuate those emotional notes with a particular cut. And how, so the, the two for me are very similar mediums to work in. So it combines my love of film with my love of conversation, intellectual conversation. And I think that's why specifically for me, uh, that's why I think I, I have had success with it. Mm-hmm. When did you, that's great uh, to know sort of uh, how it fits into your own psyche, your own imagination and your own uh, um, uh, intellectual uh, pursuits and, and drives. When did you first, because you presented this idea to us uh, last spring, spring of 2022, early spring of 2022. When did you first start thinking about doing a radio podcast uh, for the library? For the library? Uh, excuse me, a, a podcast, not radio. Yes. Podcast for the library. Um, and did you it, present the idea to anybody? Yes. So this... So let me just think so I get this right. It was during COVID Uh. and we were all working from home. And then there was this potential grant and the grant was about using new technologies to teach. So we, so I made it clear to Bobby, the former director Mm -hmm that I was a podcaster in my personal life. Okay. So I'd already been a podcaster in my personal life for five years at this, at this time. So I'd been doing it for five years. I decided I'll let Bobby know, you know, that I have this talent and maybe that will be useful to her. And so she was very interested because she herself liked podcasts. And when this idea for the grant came up, and new technologies for teaching, I had written this long proposal that wasn't any good compared to the one that you wound up getting. Right. It was like a first draft. And uh, she read it and liked it, and and she incorporated me into a, a potential grant proposal that also involved our research librarians at the time. It was Nora and Mia. Uh, Nora and me are two lovely people, and I hope they're happy <laughs> in their lives right now. Uh, miss them. But um, so then we had to come up with this grant proposal, and the timeline on it was like very short to like come up with this document. And we met and figured out we need to do this document. And then it occurred to me I should have some kind of example as to how you can use a podcast for teaching. And the main thing I thought of, you could use it as supplemental content, like content to assist with whatever book you're reading or anything like that. So I created a, um, I created a simulation of just all I did was I took a description of a course, a course description. And that course description was about the uh, debates that the founding fathers would have at the formation of the country. And the, the class was going to be the students recreating those debates. 
So I just used audio to kind of recreate. I, I like remember using like the murmuring conversation, and that was like the mm-hmm. background of the conversation that the founding fathers were having. Yeah. Then uh, there's this one line about if you didn't go along with what the founding fathers were doing, then you'd be considered treasonous and you'd be shot. And then I had like the sound of a musket firing. <laughs> Great. And so and then I, I read a poem of my own. Uh, and then explicated that poem to show like what you could do. And I thought that was very good. Uh, my, my individual proposal was not great, but this demonstration of what you could do was very good. And uh, people listened to it. They thought it was awesome. They liked it. And then it suddenly kind of gave clarity as to what this could be. Uh, the grant fell through. Didn't happen. Okay. Then I became very self-conscious about the idea of using podcasting at all. I was very um, just anxious about it because of, I don't know how to put this other than to say, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure that everyone wanted me to have it. Mm, okay. And that made me very uneasy. I didn't want to... And I may have been completely paranoid and in my own head, yeah. because this is not far f- removed from when I eventually had my psychotic breakdown. Now, when you, you, I just said the word psychotic breakdown, and some people are like, what? Because <laughs> oh it's God. a lot. It's a lot to throw into a sentence. Right. Um, so, but, but that happened. And what it meant was I experienced mania. Um, and mania I can describe as any kind of, if you've ever heard anyone talk about taking psychedelics, of course. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot like dropping acid from basically every positive acid experience I've ever heard described is exactly what mania was like. Okay. Where I thought we were all one, I, w- I was all one with nature, and all of human history was contained in me. Yeah. And I'd go outside, and I thought I could hear other people's thoughts, and I thought I could feel other people's feelings. Yeah. And it, w- it, was, it was beautiful. It, w- it yeah. became terrifying, but it was very beautiful. Yeah. And I, I played, like, unselfconsciously. I ran along these rocks that were in this river, and weirdly... Yeah. Tangibly, my balance was better. Yeah. My actual balance was better. Um, but then that eventually reached its peak. And after mania comes the fall. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. comes, you know, you come down off of that high. Yeah. And I was deeply depressed and disturbed and had to go to the hospital. Right. Um, and they had, they had to get me on one-to-one uh, to make sure I didn't harm myself. So all of this kind of got in the way of me thinking I can do this podcast at the library. You know, I didn't know if I could even work at the library anymore. I was unsure of everything. My entire life was turned upside down. Um, But I came back, I came back okay. Uh, not, not okay, really, but I, I came back from... You, you the, came back. I came back. <laughs> <laughs> I came back, and I knew this document still existed out there that had my suggestion for a podcast, and that made me very anxious because uh, I didn't want, at that time, I didn't want a teacher to hear it and think, I want to do this and let me work with Tim. Yeah. I, I didn't have the bandwidth as just a person. Yeah. To, to do it. 
so I was, and this is 20, this must, this must be 2020. Yeah. Um, so then begins 2021 and we're incrementally coming back into the library. Right. And I had successfully avoided doing anything with the podcast. It just, nothing ever came up about it. I just considered it a dead project. Um, and I wasn't going to do anything about it. I couldn't do anything about it. The only thing I could do was wake up, uh, barely yeah. come to work and do the tasks that were assigned to me and do them to the best of my ability. Um, and I, you know, weathered that particular time and I did that then, um, really. So then, so then Bobby leaves and you come on and I'm, I'm better, you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not as good as I could be, but I'm definitely better than I was a few months prior. Yeah. And you want, you said something to the effect of either in an email or in person about like leveling up like yeah. everyone's game yeah. if you can and that resonated with me and i just thought you know let me let me see about revi- revitalizing this dead project and uh christina kasman was my boss at the time so i went to her first and then she was like this is great but here's like other stuff you should add to this document so she really took my document which was like i would say an infant Mm-hmm. And she, she through her suggestions and editing, made my document into like a mature adult mm-hmm. with like references and you know a work yeah. cited page and things like that. So I started to feel like okay, I could do this, and then I gave it to you. I figured you'd say yes, yeah, um, because I think I, I trusted that yeah. you. I could tell you were a creative person and I figured you'd be into it. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the story of how it's a long story, but that's to answer your question, how the podcast came to be, how it came to be. Now it's a wonderful story. And I thank you for your bravery and, 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 in revealing and being transparent about your own condition. I knew you'd done that in past. Oh yes. And I have bipolar that that's, I should say that. So, that's what actually happened. I have bipolar one. So when you have a manic, um, what's the word? Episode? Manic depressive episode. Yeah. Manic depressive episode. You need to have one of those in order to be diagnosed bipolar one. I see. If you don't, I think you get bipolar two, which are just, they're slightly different. Um, but yeah, I interrupted yeah. what you were no, saying. No, 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 no. I just want to say thank you for, for, for revealing that information. It is actually a sh- sign of strength and recovery <laughs> that you're able to share it with people. That's a clear sign of strength and recovery So and healing. So that's excellent stuff. So I read the document and I thought it was wonderful because it's, I'm always interested in marketing the library. Marketing is always something that's you never have time to do in a library, and it's so, sometimes it's actually very important. So it's a way of communicating the value of the library to our constituency through sharing of what we're doing and our stories. So I immediately saw that value. But in looking at that now over the last six, seven, eight months, looking at the initial vision for the content of the podcast, it was primarily library-focused, library information. How, how has that thinking about what you th- what you thought the content would be for the podcast back in the spring, you know, eight months ago, and then looking at what it did ultimately become now, how did it change? 
Um, like, for example, having one episode a week, but then the content also. How, did, how has your vision for the content changed now that you look back on it from your original conception? I think it started out as I imagined, okay, this is an easy way to get interviews with people because I've got staff. I'll just interview the staff. You know, it's like what the kind of beginning of the thought was. It like wasn't very complicated. Um, then when I wanted to do the second s- season, essentially, for the fall, for the fall season, I, re- I decided that, okay, I want to do it weekly for no other reason just to prove that I can do it. You know, that was, that was it. And to build that, you know, listeners over time. Um, but then it became, you know, Rochelle, my first interview with Rochelle was really interesting. The, the second interview was really good too, but the, the first one is what inspired my desire to ask different kinds of questions. Yeah. Rochelle Rumpf, the head of our learning commons. Yes. So I remember I asked her, I asked her, I just got a sense of her as I was talking with her. And I really like Rochelle, and I got a sense of her that she meditates. I just knew that. And then I asked her, do you meditate? And she said, yes, actually, I do. And I remember asking that question and feeling like this is what I want to get at in a conversation with people. I want to ask about their job, but then I want to get to what really makes them interesting people. And everyone is interesting. That's, all, that's been in, my, in terms of my vision I've had that since the very beginning. And that's, I think, a good place for all interviewers to be. You have to, I think, fundamentally believe that all people are interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it's true. All people are fascinating. They're, they're rich, deep, fascinating wells of information. Totally agree. Um, so there was that. That kind of nudged my vision in towards how do I want to be as an interviewer? What kinds of questions do I want to ask? Then the vision also incorporated just what's, what's life like here at Sarah Lawrence? Like, what's it like to be people living in this time at this college? I mean, this is a very famous college. It's a beloved college. It's in the popular culture consciousness. Yeah. You know, let's, let me think here about what kind of legacy could be created by having these essentially audio diaries of people who live and work here. And that's where it occurred to me that it would be nice to get my friend Patricia Pasquale on the podcast. And I realized after the fact, well, she doesn't really, we don't really talk about the library at all. <laughs> but, but, but is that important? And that's something that I'm right now th- considering. Like it's the Sarah Lawrence Library podcast do you, uh, like, is it okay to interview people who have nothing to do with the library? You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, we interviewed, um, I interviewed um, Melissa Frazier, which, which was a really nice, quick little interview. Um, she was a heavy library user, so there was, we could talk about the library. But this is just kind of stuff I'm thinking of, like, yeah. you know, am I limiting what we can do here? by making it library, but we kind of have to make it library because we can't, we, that way we have control of it. I don't know. Well, yes and no to that. Okay. So I think, and we, you know, it's an evolving thing and it's a changing thing and we can change the, the, maybe the, uh, the way we frame the library podcast for the community. But 
what I what I and and also I had that same thought. Well, we're going to run out of people to interview. Like, yeah. you know, it's great library content. We're going to run out of library things and people to talk about. But then we kind of organically you started moving to other people outside the library. But as I think about it, that's perfectly fine. And why? Because we are the archive. Mm. We are the archive. That's and a great point. Our role is not just to provide information, but to preserve a community information, Sarah Lawrence information, in the form of the archive. So literally anyone and anything is part of the crystal ball of the present that we're trying to create for the future. So whether it's a custodian or the, or the provost or the president, Anybody can be interviewed because all of it's relevant to archivally speaking to the experience of, of Sarah Lawrence as a, as a place, as an identity. So that gives me a yeah. lot of freedom, which is great. It is. Uh, and in fact, we can even think about possibly, you know, maybe we could re- rename, you know, the archive yeah. podcast or yeah, something I know. like the that. The Sarah Lawrence Library. Ar- no, I'm Arch- sorry. The archive. The, the whatever. Sarah Lawrence Archive. Yeah, it just be an, an extension of the archival function that we have, mm-hmm. and that, which is plays along perfectly with what I'm trying to do with the archive, which is bring it to life, bring it up, bring it out, uh, make it absorb and grab all kinds of experiences on campus mm-hmm. because that's what you want to look at a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. So, as you think about all the episodes that we've had and how it's changed, how the contents changed and the view has gotten broader. Uh, let me ask what, what you think was the most satisfying and meaningful episode for you. Each of them has something. I learned something from every single one of them, uh, whether it's how to be a better interviewer or how to be a better listener. Um, I think the, the Margarita episode was really good at uh, reminding me to trust my creative instincts because it was going to be in front of a group of people. There was going to be another interviewer. There were new, there were new things. Uh. So it was like outside my comfort zone and I had to prepare for it. And, and I also wanted to like have actual knowledge of what she was doing. So like I listened to this lengthy podcast. This is the, by the way, this is the Margarita Fajardo uh, faculty spotlight podcast. Yes. Yes. Continue. And I was, I, I had to do like some prep for it, you know, and I found, I felt myself getting stressed. And then I thought to myself, Tim, you're getting stressed about this. Don't, don't get too stressed about this because number one, people are not going to be focused on you or looking at you or caring what you have to say. They're there for Margarita. She's the star of the show, you know, and then that, that was nice to realize. And then I realized like, okay, just get my questions down, and then I just have my questions. And the questions are the questions. I just trust that the questions are going to be interesting and that they're going to be enough to... Because people, people answer a question, like actually answer it about like maybe half of the time. <laughs> you know? right, like, right. You're, you're kind of lucky if that happens. And they'll just talk. And I, I could see that she would just talk... And she's an endearing person, like very sweet. And the crowd really liked her. And and Christoph was great. Yeah. Um, he stepped in and he was great with the questions. Mm-hmm. So that that taught me to be a little less rigid, you know, a little more go with the flow. 
uh, and and to be not so worried about to just remind myself, okay, I know how to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had that thought like right up to the minute that it's actually going to happen, and that eased a lot of my uh, stress. Because yeah. and I com- I compared this experience with this other non podcast related experience of uh, teaching a class. Um, remember, I taught yes, that class three D printing about three D printing, and I I I was more hard on myself than I should. But I I did not feel good about that experience. I I want to do it again because I want to get it right, but <laughs> I did not I did not do do well. And I, one of the thoughts I had was, oh my God, if I don't do well with this margarita thing, then Mustafa's going to think I'm really blowing it. <laughs> and I'm just blow two public speaking things. Um, and I was like, well, that thought's not going to help me at all. So right. I just like tried to set that aside. Um, but I was really pleased with the margarita episode and yeah, I thought, it, I thought it came out well. Um, one thing, this is a very tiny thing. Sure. Um, but you know when when uh, there was this one point when she was talking very far away from the microphone like that, yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh god, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need her to be closer to it. So it's it's very hard to like kindly be like, could you talk into it more? You know, I because I just know I, I'm just worried I'll sound like I'm criticizing the person. Okay, you know, so that's like a little thing I gotta get over. Um, I really liked our episode. We hold the light. Um, that's one where you and I talk and reflect on the takeover oh, party. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought that was really good. Um, it's talking to Gokhan was really good. Um, that's my cousin Gokhan. Your yeah. cousin Gokhan. Yeah. I was very proud of the fact that I managed to get Danielle on the podcast because she was not so sure about being on the podcast. Yeah, Danielle Wright. Danielle Wright. Um, it was good to hear from someone from IT and Emily Goucher. Ah, yes. Um, yes. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed every one of them. I can't. It's hard to pinpoint an actual one. One, sure. One. I, I, even the one that just came out today, how to podcast. In that yeah. one, it's just me uh, talking about how to podcast, how to start podcasting. And there's just one point where I get pretty fired up. Okay. <laughs> it, it's kind of like not the the me that I think I usually share here. Okay. Uh, Cause it's a, not necessarily appropriate to right. be all fired up at work. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think people will like that. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. I'm, what I like is how you framed, how you framed my question in terms of what you learned Mm. in terms of your own development as a podcaster and that's how how you interpreted my question which is great because I didn't think that I didn't think that you might take that take on it which is interesting so so here's the second part to that question and you can do answer this question without naming the particular episode or the details within the episode well what do you think was your weakest episode mm. and you don't again don't name it but then more importantly why you why what were the elements that contributed to making it what you thought were the weakest episode that's a great question it pains me to say this okay uh but i think the 3d printer episode is the weakest episode not because of the quality of the episode i think the episode is good i think it's it's you and me talking about 3d printers okay and i think it's a it's a good conversation between two people about 3d printers but the main reason i did it 
Okay. <laughs> and this is why I think it's it's the weakest is because like with the concept behind it, it was mostly just I needed another episode that week. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, oh, what could we do? And I was like, oh, that I could I could it was it was kind of easy. Yeah. And I kind of needed a week of easy. You know, you okay. see, I like okay. I needed an easy week of an easy because you and I could talk forever. Yes, um, <laughs> which we're doing right now. Yes, uh, and, and but I, I guess I kind of abused that privilege a little bit. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Well, mm-hmm. you learned from that as well. Yeah, I uh, did. All of these are learning uh, moments and ways to improve. Um, but I thought we've had a, in general, what's really good about everything we've done is that it's been a real uh, development, true development. We started with this thought. You brought the idea to me. We developed it, and it expanded immediately in ways kind of organic. For example, we had a Yonkers Public Library sign-up event during National Library Week in the spring, and I thought, well, let's do a live podcast during that. And I was available, and so I did that myself. And that was trans- going into the live realm, actually do like a field recording. Then we did the library takeover where we had you stationed during a party for partygoers to come in and drunkenly talk about how they're experiencing this thing that's going on in the library. Um, of course, they weren't really drinking. I just said that. But basically, yeah. blissed out on partying. Mm-hmm. And then we did the faculty spotlight, which is the challenge, but it's a live, it's a live recording, not a live distribution, but a live recording. And so we're really kind of trying to, in, in, in my thoughts, trying to expand what you can do with a podcast. Um, and I'm curious to know if you have any thoughts on how what else we might do, or is it more like we should just think about video and doing interesting video things, or is is there anything, is there more that we can do in podcasting? Do you think that we have we we haven't pushed the envelope completely open yet? No, yeah. I I honestly feel like most podcasts and ours is only scratching the surface. I think it I think it's possible. Like you could do an episode just about sound in the library like or sound around the library like what what and it doesn't even have to be about anything it could be just about the sound like here's what the sound is like in this specific spot and then you could describe what's in that specific spot like i want to do an episode just about study spaces like just about the study space and what's in there and the history of a room like you could talk a, a lot yeah, I think there's a you could get pretty far out there with it. it. The the more it's ironic, the more like you go back towards the core purpose of or a substance of a medium, the more it reveals itself to you. Like mm-hmm. the and you can get far out with it. Um, the deeper you go. Well, I, I think so too, because as you know, I'm super interested in being creative and just. And just doing, you know, whatever crazy thoughts that we come up with trying to make it, taking a risk, you know, I'm really into taking a risk and just, you know, fast failure, but also incredible success sometimes. I did a little, a little bit of research to, on the internet to see, to see what makes a really good, what makes for a really good podcast program. The, the points I came up with were um, having, and I think you convey a lot of these, Tim, uh, having uh, what I call conversational intelligence. Mm conversationality, yeah. the ability to, to be a conversant person. And what they said was listening, listening with empathy and addressing your listeners' pain points. Yeah. 
and that's I did that right now uh, as we're yeah. doing this. I'm like trying to understand and listen to where you have moments of pain and then using that to establish more questions, mm-hmm. right? Which is a way of creating suspense and interest. I think you do that. You have a natural way of doing that. Um, the other idea is, uh, you know, speaking skills, having speaking skills, and of which people have commented that you've got great speaking skills. I mean, and I was actually curious about that for just a moment. Where, do you, where did you develop that? I mean, you, you did it professionally. You did podcasting. Do you think, did it come with practice or was it just natural? It came from, it came from classes. Again, it came from like poetry class, for example. Like you have to read your poem. So I learned early on that it's better if a, if a poem sounds good. That makes it more interesting. Uh, then I fell in love with Allen Ginsberg and uh, Howell when I became um, uh, an MFA student. And uh, Phyllis Levin, actually, uh, an alum of Sarah Lawrence, was my teacher. And she's just a beautiful person and a fantastic poet. Um, but, uh, and also my family, like we're talkers, we, uh, argue and <laughs> we talk and you articulate things. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. And I, I think every, there is a wide assortment of things in my life. Like I, I'm also the youngest, so I have two older brothers. So I would be, always be speaking to someone older than me. So I wasn't ever talked down to like a little kid. I always kind of had to speak up to someone. And I think, I think that in there is an answer to your question. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. Um, one thing I keep seeing in all of the research I do on podcasting is the importance of audience and your niche. Yes. Um, so uh, have, do you think about how specific our audience is, the Sarah Lawrence community, and how much does that factor into your thinking? Well, it affects the construction of the show. Like, for example, so I've become more cognizant of uh, gender and uh, the fluidity of gender uh, as a result of my time here and sex. And I made sure to acknowledge that in the open by saying, what are your pronouns? Okay. And if you say what, if I, anytime I hear someone say their pronouns or announce what their pronouns are or ask for others to say what their pronouns are, I actually now become like comfortable. Hmm. I, I become at ease because it means we're all kind of in it together. Yeah. We're all kind of in it together in terms of making the world safer for people who do not fit a typical, you know, gender binary uh, or the, that, that construct. So I, that, that, that being a part of the show is something I've, I've thought about. Um, are I, I just just trying being willing to be a little weird sometimes, and I know that okay. might sound strange, but I think Sarah Lawrence is a place where you can be quote unquote weird. Yeah, and like like the episode that's just me giving a tour is a little bit weird. It's just one person talking, uh, but I, I kind of like that episode mm-hmm. because of that. Um, so allowing my so I do I do keep the listener in mind always. And I really want to give something to students that that surprises them and entertains them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how do you think of the fact that your own statistics that you read at the beginning of the episode 
were that our main, our primary listener is actually 28 to... I know. It may not be students. It may not be students. So yeah, no, I, I, I think I want it to be students, but maybe I, should, I shouldn't uh, play it that way. Maybe I should, uh, you know, because those stats have changed a few times, and it'll be interesting to see what they are um, like at the beginning of the next semester. Yeah. But that's an interesting thought that you just brought up. Like yeah. that, that could uh, affect the construction of the show. Yeah. Well, it, it's it, audience and niche is obviously very important. We're in, we're an academic environment, so it's hard to understand what we are. I mean, we're not plumbers and blue collar workers, you know, we're PhDs, we're students, we're educators, people interested in education. What does that mean for a podcast? It, it could almost mean anything. Because that group is interested in all aspects of life, whether it's sociology, psychology, biology, everything falls into academic, into the academic sort of realm of purview, right? But the actual audience of listeners, it, it, it is that group. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not uh, electricians. So you, you, you do got to think carefully about it. So it could, it could be an electrician. Though. It could be an electrician. Okay, it could be theater electrician, but no, it could be. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, you know, we're global, you know, yes. we're who knows who's listening yes. to this right now. Yes. Um, and, but, and the other thing that came through on the list of best practices, you know, in podcasting is using your voice to convey emotion. Mm. Um, and I'm not so well aware of that, but I think we do it, and I think you do it naturally. But and you even mentioned that a few times how you get you got emotionally worked up yeah. in that last one you did. Mm-hmm. But how you use your voice to create interest uh, in the content, I think, is important. Um, do you have any thoughts on that using well, emotion? Yeah, I think you know. So it's used as a pejorative, like the sound of your own voice. You know. I think liking the sound of your own voice could be really helpful when doing podcasting in particular. And, you know, you don't want to be pretentious. You want to be, I think it's always best to be as democratic as possible. Like you want to speak in a way that's inviting. And, 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 uh, but uh, I, uh, I don't hate the sound of my own voice. Like I have to listen to it often when I'm editing it. So it's actually a, a godsend that I don't hate the sound of my own voice. There are times I hate it. It gets a little nasally, and I don't yeah. like that nasal aspect of it. Um, but I think if you're getting into podcasting or thinking about podcasting or even just speaking to a group of people, it's okay to like the sound of your own voice. Like, yeah. And I mean that in a very like simple, realistic way of like, oh, I actually think I said a good thing there. That's okay. You shouldn't feel bad about that. Don't feel guilty about that. Yeah. Uh, does that answer your question? It, it does. Uh, not being, afraid, being comfortable in the skin of your own voice. That's exactly what it is, being it, comfortable. Yeah. No, I think it's a great tool, an, an empathy-building tool, and also an, uh, an agency-building tool to make students feel like they have agency. Their voice can can move things, can move people's minds and thoughts and hearts and minds, you know, and that's why I think a lot of faculty here at Sarah Lawrence are, are incorporating podcasting more and more into their coursework because students, you're giving students power, the power of their voice. And I think it's really important skill for college students, for young people to develop. Um, and with that, I think that's a good closing thought. But the idea of the sort of like the what's out there next for podcasting, I think student involvement Uh, you know, sounds of the library, um, you know, something to do with plants and nature. Who who knows what else 
we could do with podcasting. Yeah, yeah. And I really look forward to that continuing journey with you, uh, Tim. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, I just want to say, uh, Mustafa, it's like, it's very uh, fortuitous and r- I think a rare thing that it would just so happen that I would get a boss <laughs> who, who likes and uh, who is an artist himself and is a thinker uh, who would actually like align with a lot of my own personal uh, mm. priorities and interests in life. And, and you've gifted me with work that I enjoy doing. Uh, so the, uh, there's really no substitute for that. So thank you. No problem. I have to thank you. I mean, we're both in that similar way. We're kind of like, uh, I don't want to say frustrated artists, yeah. frustrated filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it allows us to bring our art practice, creative practice into the library and make it even more meaningful, maybe even more than if we were in a gallery somewhere, because we're affecting young minds and we're helping people uh, develop their thoughts. And I think that's a great thing to do for life, for people, for humanity, you know, not to be cliche, but but it's great. So it's all good. So, uh, <laughs> so more power to us. Right, Thanks, thank Tim. you, Mustafa. This concludes this episode of the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. Remember to give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And visit the library website where you can check your library account, reserve a study room, or book a consultation with one of our research librarians. Music by Owen Anderson. Thank you once again, one and all, for sharing your time with us over this past semester. It was a joy creating this podcast, and I look forward to continuing to create new episodes for you in the spring. But until then, go out there and have yourself a very nice day.